Okay, good evening everyone and welcome to the uh, March 16, 2020 meeting of the Astoria City Council. And this will be our first uh, live face streamed uh, meeting and I hope those who are watching from the nearest and see us. A roll call, Mr. Pearson. Here. Councillor Herman. Here. Councillor Watts. Here. Councillor Here. Mayor Jones. Here. Our first agenda is a presentation from the Classic Economic Development Resources. And Mr. B will be our annual report. We look forward to hearing that. Thank you. Please. Uh, yes, thanks for the opportunity to present the annual leader and the class of community college small business development center. Our class of community college SBDC is part of a state of uh, 19 centers statewide. 17 of us are associated with colleges, of which I uh, have the pleasure and honor of serving on the here at class of community college. And we have two universities as part of it. I, I think it's especially appropriate this evening as I'm giving the annual update for CDC to say that I just I so appreciate the collaboration that we have with our centers statewide. Um, and I'll get into more details if there's an opportunity if you have questions as I see here after after the annual update. Next, in the year of 2019, our results was we served 158 clients. Uh, almost a thousand client counseling hours, and again, this to uh, our counseling is free and confidential. That's how our um, other than our classes, workshops, and our small business management program, but we do provide free and confidential advising to clients and businesses of all sizes. Uh, the funding which comes from the Small Business Administration, Business Oregon, our host class in Japan, on the Cedar Inn, uh, the private center our corporate experience in the city of Astoria. We have average hours per client, uh, six hours per client, uh, 52 women-owned businesses, which we are one of the highest in the number of women-owned businesses that we serve, um, and Latino clients, 28 last year. Our economic result, 11 business starts, 32 jobs created, 87 jobs retained, three clients with capital formation, that's helping them with the funding of almost uh, over 427,000, and sales growth on their businesses of a million five. I think it's a general slide by slide, I had it, which are very important um, benchmarks that we, that we have. Interesting, we have uh, the industry served in the years 2017 and 19. This uh, guide was to show kind of the increases, which we're seeing really nationwide, but if you look at the increases that we have, that we provide here in Classic County, with uh, increases in accommodation and food services, other services, entrepreneurs, arts, entertainment, and recreation, and construction. Um, no surprise uh, it, it, with what's going on in the retail arena these days, with you know uh, just an onslaught of a lot of things happening. Less retail is still a very, very important part of our service uh, we provide. It's still the largest uh, we serve manufacturing and industry services. Our small business management program. That is our nine-month cohort program. That has been since uh, September 2019. Jessica Newhall, our lead advisor, is also manager. And we just proudly show at the bottom there, we do evaluations of every workshop that we do at the SP, um, and also our small business management uh, cohort. After every class in our evaluations, uh, um, we've had 19 sessions. Jessica and our, our guests um, 
um, uh, constructors a lot of credit for four out of five in terms of the, the ratings on that. Cedar, um, Hudson County's economic organization. Again, I'm not going to read this. The council um, has this advance. I also know about that's a public record. But our mission and our goals for uh, for Classic County, and we all work very hard together on this in collaboration with our strong partnership here with the City of Astoria and um, our partners. Uh, this is the budget that was approved this past year uh, that uh, we have received ten thousand dollars from the City of Astoria. This is just the baseline revenue showing. Uh, the county uh, gives $70,000 a senior on an annual basis. And I say in every update, this is very important, that those are dollars come from lottery funds, and those have to go to economic development. And I believe the county last year received about $200,000 in lottery funds for economic development, and Cedar received $70,000 annually. The cities, the Port of Astoria, Sunset Empire Transportation District, Classic Community College, in order to be part of the SBDC, our home college has to contribute at least $40,000 in cash, and that's what Classic Community College does line for. Private sector sponsorships, that is on the Cedar side, and again, on my presentation, I'll share the list of those private sector sponsorships. We so appreciate those who give $50 up to $5,000, every dollar is appreciated and used. I'm talking about the federal SBDC grants, that's the SBA. That's the money we received from the Small Business Administration. By the way, that number of $33,000 is not about 15 years. So we keep pushing um, at our state leadership side and nationally to try to get more funding. We have businesses we support, but at this point, that that um, that uh, funding is, is pretty flat. And then on the SBDC grant, that's Business of Oregon. And I give a lot of credit to Senator Johnson, Representative Gomberg, and other on our behalf of the legislature. To get funding for us, we did have increased funding on this past funding, and again, this one, we just got the new contract for the next two years, and that increased funding continues for the next two years here, so we're very, very happy about that. Carryover, that's the cash carryover. This is most of our expenses are wages for the staff, uh, rent that we do pay to college to have our office in South County, uh, contracted uh, contracts, that's our partner advisors. Um, advertising, etc. So that's that's a snapshot of our budget that was approved um, over a year ago, and uh, we're really looking to to renew that this past this next year as we as we proceed here. I know the budget committee is next year's budget at this point. Senior so represents the business community by being involved in committees and organizations. I'm not going to read the laundry list here. But I'm all they're all very important, but do want to draw attention to I serve on the business development committee of the ADHDA. Chair High School Business Advisory Committee, a Classic Community College Business Advisory Committee member on all the three chambers as well as the downtown organizations. Cedar does organize uh, a monthly that we do with our city managers and county managers and others. And that's where we meet together. We, we rotate uh, the different, like for example, the city of Astoria um, hosts one month a year, the city of Seaside, et cetera. And it's an opportunity for city managers, county manager, uh, Jeff Hazen um, and uh, Scott Archibald and others, including some of our city managers from North Summit County, come and we discuss issues that are important to our community and find that's been going on for many, many years. Again, I think I'm an enterprise zone manager as you're well aware. I think I've been before a uh, Fort Highscale enterprise zone, which is very um, exciting with, with that, those opportunities to present them. Housing, we're all focused on housing. We've presented on housing, we've had workshops. Our Cedar board meeting in September dealt with housing. We've been working with the business community. 
with the cities. We're also looking on this working with uh, individually to talk about how we can be individually and then collectively, how we can be working to, to streamline these processes um, as we as we like to have growth in the, in the housing um, inventory in each of our communities. I understand that every community is different, but um, it, it's a, a major issue that uh, we are all working on very well. So I'm going to probably move on here. The Cedar Awards uh, event we canceled, for, uh, which is going to be October 7th. We're going to move it to next year. Uh, it celebrates business success in our town, like last week, that class of job and career for all the right reasons. Very difficult decision, but uh, we're living in very uh, um, unique times right now. Uh, this is our Cedar members for the year for two, uh, 2020 that have invented Cedar. Again, so appreciate. This is the uh, membership of the five cities in Classic County, Classic County, and the other partners that, that I've spoken about. Also, want to mention as I end this formal presentation and update to council, our Classic Board Summer Internship Program, I'm also the director for. Uh, this is the year three you're going into now. Uh, we close our applications um, on February the 7th. And this year we'll have 23 employers participating versus uh, 12 last year. Uh, this begins in mid-June. The host employers you can see on the far right there. This um, this continues to be, serve as a model for our uh, Ryan Stanley is is our coordinator for this program and working right now. We're, all, we're in the midst right now actually interviewing these interns for positions for summer, including our own class of course interns. So. I am happy to answer um, any questions that I uh, covered on the overview or the annual update or any other questions. Well, thanks, Mike. I just want to say thanks for everything you do with Cedar. It's uh, critically important, and I think it will play a critically important role over the next six months as we uh, try to find ways of assistance to our businesses that are going to be struggling here in this beginning, beginning tomorrow. And some have already been struggling and will increasingly so in the next several months. I know tomorrow uh, the governor's economic recovery team, I know he's been working with Ms. Purcell's at regional solutions solutions team yeah. on a variety of issues before the COVID 19 issue happened, but certainly now. And so uh, we'll certainly be looking for any kind of partnerships. I'll stay in there with, with her for an hour with uh, right. Jeff Purcell and, and uh, which you're well aware of. So yeah, we're all working yeah. together on this very diligent. Yeah. Major, major challenge, of course, and of course, any support would be to our businesses because uh, we know that there's this one, I mean, and other, but the businesses, of course, are hurting all of them, small and large. And uh, you know, I own my own business for several years, I work for Ocean. We all feel that we want to support, of course, we want to support our businesses and any um, the additional push that can be made from, from all of you to, um, to help with that would be much appreciated. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, there'll be legislation coming, but devil's in the details. What are the requests and criteria to be eligible for certain types of aid, and, and what are the, what's the timeline? So, so if you've got 30 days cash reserve and you don't get it for 90 days, that's right. going to be hard. But thank you. Okay, thank you. Okay, reports of course. And uh, Councillor Helen, you're on the phone. We've had up to 30 people on, right? So uh, Chris Walnut is saying that there are up to 30 people on right now. Oh, I don't know if you can tell if she's on or not. So, um, 
Councilor, when I attended the uh, Lower Columbia Tourism Committee meeting in, at Fort Classic, and then a few days later at a tourism forum in Earhart that was sponsored by the Oregon Tourism. Um, the good thing is that uh, both agencies realize that coastal communities are in very different situations than tourism. There are some who want more, who can use more people coming to their community for economic support. There are some, like many people here feel, uh, who are maxing out. And they're sensitive to that and deal with that and, and look at sustainability. Um, I tried to emphasize uh, at that uh, tourism meeting that uh, for a city, it's pretty important that we have the means to provide the energy for the tourists who come here. And there's no direct income to a city that comes to tourists. And, and also the people who live in a place who are very concerned about their quality of life. And the good thing is that I think, I think they get that. More importantly, like all of us, uh, I've been listening to citizens concerned about coronavirus, the COVID-19 virus. They range from mild caution, as you know, to absolute fear. Uh, I really appreciate the work that Mayor Jones has done, along with uh, County Commission Chair Kathleen Sullivan and Board uh, Exec uh, Will Eisen. Um, the leadership, I think, has been even-handed. Uh, they've been tuned in to the latest scientific and medical evidence, and I appreciate the the, the calm nature of the way you have uh, you work here. Uh, some of us are dealing with that on a personal basis as well. I own a Southern California since 1978. We've had to go down to the last was yesterday for an unknown period of time. And like businesses here, your immediate concerns go to how do we keep our employees full as long as this thing lasts? And I know this is affecting us having those same thoughts. You know, people who work for you decades. And you need to keep them home, and you need to figure out how to start the achievement. So that's my report. Thanks, Councilor Ronger. So as I look into the audience tonight, and for those of you who are watching on the live stream, you know, but uh, it's certainly apparent that we're taking COVID-19 seriously. We moved uh, two-thirds of the chairs from this room. We've given ourselves some more distancing. We're going to be live streaming this meeting tonight, and then for subsequent, we'll be looking at being able to further eliminate uh, spectators in the crowd in order for everyone to participate and figure out the technology to be able to participate in a public hearing and provide testimony and input to as a two-way conversation. It's a one-way conversation where people watching at home can see and hear us, but they can't participate. So we're going to work on being able to fulfill our public responsibilities for transparency while also keeping us uh, safe from uh, COVID-19. Uh, and you know, over the past several weeks, it's been apparent nationally, uh, for those of us who don't have a, an incidence infection yet, we watch and listen to the warnings. And uh, three weeks ago, lots of naysayers that it's flu, it's just the cold, what's the difference? Uh, and every, every game's fewer and fewer of those. And over the last few days, it's been actually gratifying that there's very few people saying that anymore. It's finally sinking in. We've had weeks now to prepare locally, mentally, as well as actual physical preparations. And now we know, you know, it's, it's just about here. I'm, I'm certain there are people in class hanging around with an infection. They haven't been tested yet. And those infections will start to split soon. So I'm extremely gratified that the county today did the appropriate thing and declared a state of emergency within the county. They've taken quite a number of steps uh, as follow on to that to increase social distancing and reduce public We'll be doing the same thing tonight, uh, considering a state of emergency and looking at further steps we can do with publicly owned facilities to increase social distancing and uh, reduce the threat to the public. 
Um, I just want to thank the County Public Health Department, Office of Emergency Management, and County Manager Zoom, Mr. Estes, staff, our hospital staff. These have been working around the clock, the clock literally uh, for weeks and weeks now. Most of it unseen by the public because they hand the workplace. Um, but they have been on the phone uh, hourly with Oregon Health Authority, with Centers for Disease Control, to make sure that when we do have cases and they start to build, that the areas we can be within the resources that we have. Um, Governor Brown today made uh, a series of announcements. Uh, one of the more critical ones was that they've stood up a centralized command of uh, a number of the medical functions, a centralized command of inventory uh, capacity and testing capacity statewide. So it'll be managing that on state level depending on what the need is. And of course, you, you've all heard that they reduced the size, uh, maximum size range from 250 to 25, as well as, uh, as uh, unfortunately for economic purposes, but fortunately for our health, uh, closing dining restaurants, buying uh, restaurants to do carry on if they choose to. And that was as a direct result tonight, there was a teleconference between every mayor and uh, county commission chair in the state and the governor, three people on the phone for about two and a half hours with Governor Brown is expressed and she asked for our input to her proposals and it was very clear from mayors and counties that it was critical that restaurants maintain carryout capability, not just for economic reasons, but primarily because there's so many people who they're not gonna have time to go home at the end of a twelve hour shift at the hospital and cook dinner and be open up. So I thought that was uh, very important. And um, so we're going to continue each and all of us should be preaching to our neighbors and friends and coworkers uh, the basics that are health authorities all of us social distancing. Stay home when you're ill, don't touch your face, you help yourself, wash your hands regularly, disinfect surfaces, and then it's about a half dozen things that you can read on any website. And those things in, in Iran and uh, in South Korea have been very successful. Those things were proven to stop the transmission and stop this. And then finally, I'll mention uh, been in regular communication with um, uh, uh, of Astoria Executive Director Will Isom over the past several weeks, uh, County Manager Boone, and Brian Cruzships. And as you know, we implemented uh, a policy uh, over a week ago that we would, uh, even though there's no guidance whatsoever from the state on cruise ships, we implemented a policy we consider a cruise ship visit to be a public gathering for the purposes of the governor's restrictions public gatherings. And therefore, when the public gathering limit was 200, we uh, essentially prohibited cruise ship visits with more than 200 people aboard. And uh, today I propose to uh, Mr. Isom and uh, County Manager Boone that we cancel all cruise ship visits, uh, period, regardless of size, through June 1st. And, uh, uh, and both uh, were in complete agreement as we've been talking about this for some time now. And today we did make that announcement about four hours ago that we have canceled all cruise ship visits through June 1st. And we'll reevaluate uh, that as, as the spring and early summer uh, progress. So, are there any changes to the agenda? No changes to the agenda this evening. Consent calendar items on the uh, my mic's been off the whole time. Hopefully, uh, that went through. I don't know if it did or not. Really uh, items on the consent calendar are considered routine and will be adopted by the Unless a member of the city council requests to have an item here members of the community may have an item removed to contact the city manager by 5 p.m. day of the meeting. And uh, has anyone asked for an item to be removed? No citizen request. Any councilors? 
I'd like to remove item uh, 6G. 6G. So we have a motion for items uh, 6A through F. I move we approve items 6A through F with the Senate agenda as presented. Okay, a roll call, Ms. Brooks. Uh, Councilor Brownson. Councilor West. Aye. Councilor Rockett. Aye. Councilor Herman. Aye. Okay, item 6G is authorizations to receive an award of $1,000 for Pacific Power's electric vehicle charging grant to install two charging stations at the aquatic center. Yeah, I just want to make sure that this point that um, we are going to be having some uh, charging, vehicle charging uh, stations installed uh, here in that area. And that that's, um, we'll, again, a little bit more positive news item. Thank you. Would you like to make a I'd like to move the uh, uh, accept the yeah, grant application from Pacific Power. I have to be the whole thing. Can't be. Uh, accept the authorization or that we have to receive the award of $45,037 to Power's electric vehicle charging grant to install two charging stations. At the Astoria Power Center. I'll second that. Okay, roll call, Mr. Darkman. Mr. Brownson? Aye. Councillor Herman? Councillor Herman? Aye. Sorry. Councillor West? Aye. Councillor Rockhouse? Aye. Mayor Jones? Aye. Okay, uh, regular agenda items are open for public comment following deliberation by the council. Uh, if any audience member wishes to speak, if you would please raise your hand. Uh, up to the podium and be recognized to state your name and address. You'll have three minutes. Item 7A is uh, consideration of an emergency declaration for COVID. So, uh, before uh, I get started, Astors, I provided uh, some comments that have been received electronically to you by email and uh, hard copies if you are interested with regard to uh, this issue. So, in starting off, Mayor Jones. Add them to the city council agenda in order to do a couple things. And first of all, first to raise the importance of this issue locally, and two, to city emergency preparedness plans, protocols, and policies should they need to be initiated in the future. So the city of Astoria has a disaster declaration process in which the mayors were authorized by Oregon revised statutes and the city of Astoria's emergency operations plan that a state of emergency exists. So the city of Astoria's emergency operations state certain criteria to be met prior to declaring an emergency. And uh, those are identified in your uh, packet, simply to describe the circumstances impacting the city of Astoria and to identify the problems for which assistance is needed and state what has been done locally to respond to the impacting needs. And staff has put some uh, information with regards to uh, this issue. So I, I would note that all within the city have been taking precautionary measures to notice the potential impacts of a COVID-19 outbreak within the city. And the city time has been put into planning around this and will continue as this uh, situation evolves and uh, very well uh, could increase. Uh, the local emergency declaration would enable the city to take uh, action specific 
in addition to those already declared by the board and also um, after the, uh, this afternoon's meeting in Classic County. It will also qualify the city for any state or federal assistance and reimbursement for costs associated with the local COVID-19 hospital should those be allocated. So I do want to note a couple of items uh, that are in place now which tie to a declaration of emergency. And first is the city's continuity of operations plan and the continuity of the plan. Um, some on the council hall that this was something uh, which was completed about a year and a half ago. We had uh, applied for and received assistance from a University of Oregon rare participant, and both Susan Brooks um, and also Hinton had assisted in developing that uh, Susan Brooks doing a lot of the direct uh, supervision over this uh, individual who developed Coop and Cod, as they're referred to. And should an emergency declaration be enacted, the City of Astoria Council Operations Plan and the Continuity of Government Plan is intended to be activated and implemented when an event impacts uh, a significant number of city personnel or could force the relocation of city assets. Now, neither of that has happened at time, but reduced staffing levels could occur under this scenario. Therefore, at this point in time, the coop and cog would be used for city staff to help navigate this public health emergency should it be declared. Also, should a public health emergency disrupt the essential departmental operations, the city would need to quickly respond to and fulfill its fundamental mission to provide continuity of essential function the onset. And um, that would all be something that would be uh, would move forward and be implemented should it be necessary in the future. Um, I would also note an emergency declaration by the council also could allow additional flexibility when procuring goods, services, and construction assistance uh, if the emergency. And staff can more quickly get assistance from contractors for response to waterline breaks or even required maintenance work by reduced staffing levels to carry out our essential functions. Um, some of the things we what are some scenarios if we need to contract for some services? Um, if there were some impacts to uh, the to uh, conduct work on a daily basis. So while our uh, recently adopted purchasing codes allows the city manager to act emergency contracts, it is required that the manager notify council of the facts and circumstances surrounding the emergency execution of the contract. Uh, this is all included in your recently updated uh, purchasing code, which was completed uh, within the past year um, that um, that both uh, Mr. Harrington and Mr. Henningsgaard uh, helped prepare uh, to be able to bring or purchase the current contracting law. So while this motion would still take place, an emergency declaration readies us for such action so needed. The city of Astoria is also committed to maintaining the health and safety of the community and the continuity of governments. The city is working closely with all these which Mayor Jones referenced uh, and we want to be able to share resources uh, and help jurisdiction uh, in the event if there is a personnel shortage and we would uh, look for being able to see that hopefully being able to go both ways if uh, if necessary mutual aid agreements in place within several departments um which are able to be executed which are executed already should they be needed um, in the future so a resolution has been uh, forward for consideration at this evening, and uh, it was prepared and then reviewed by our city attorney. Um, I want to take uh, an opportunity here to be able to note some things 
uh, about um, what they need for the city. This is a very um, high overview at this point in time, but I'm, if I can be able to take an opportunity to go provide a little bit more information. So as uh, was announced last week and then uh, again today, uh, there have been closures of city facilities, particularly in the parks and library departments. So our parks and library facilities are closed. Now, the parks themselves, but rather um, part of the indoor parks facilities where there's programming going on. So staff are working on in-service checks or else uh, conducting their daily tasks. Um, the library itself closed at 5 p.m. today and we will start being closed tomorrow. Uh, the last we're going to be looking for with the public digitally uh, through their website. Um, in the press release that was issued today, uh, we have information which is going to end our director. Um, um, Pearson is going to be looking for other many opportunities to be able to work with our public on, on library services. So City Hall, Public Works, and our public safety facilities are uh, currently open and operating. Uh, we have been asking patrons to conduct their business with the city digitally by phone or by email, if possible, uh, to reduce the number of potential contacts coming um, in uh, between uh, staff and to hopefully try to minimize any impacts of the COVID-19 virus. Uh, so non-essential meetings have been canceled and we'll be looking to do that in the future. I know that we have a parks board meeting which has been canceled. There was no in business uh, to be able to move forward with this month. Um, in terms of any internal meetings, we're looking to video conferencing or else teleconferencing uh, whenever possible. However, we still need to conduct land use hearing as there has been no dispensation made by the state of Oregon uh, with regards to the processing timeframes for um, these permits. So uh, um, our planning commission, our design review commission, and our historic landmarks commission, which still have permits which um, we will need to be processing. Um, I would note um, that in working with our community development department staff, uh, we are curtailing on code amendments um, that will be going to planning commission and that those many times generate uh, a lot of uh, public um, interest and we want to minimize um, large crowds and also don't want things which is foreseen, seen as limiting the ability for public testimony on um, items where um, people want to be able to participate. So at this point, we're um, going to pause the work which has been going through the planning commission on those those code amendments. So our public works, public safety, and our also finance and municipal court staff um, have also been working to put in place uh, policies and to best prepare their departments um, for COVID-19 as best as possible. Um, and so that includes both the fire department and the police department, um, our public works staff um, over in the shops, and also um, within our finance department as well. So, Mayor, I don't know if there are any specific questions um, that you have myself or staff with regards to any preparation, but I just wanted to be able to provide a bit of a status update in terms of what our staff have been doing. And where you are correct, I mean, this has been um, touching each one of the departments, each one of the departments' ways uh, to be able to plan and prepare for this uh, in the best we can moving forward. Now, I, I thank you, Mr. Estes, for that very thorough update. And you and I talk uh, multiple times on a daily basis, but a lot of the rest of the council and the public doesn't necessarily know how much work is going on within each of the departments and with, between you and your department heads. 
So thanks for uh, pointing all that out. And of course, with the um, with the resolution that we'll discuss uh, shortly for the declaration of state of emergency, it's not as simple as saying, "Hey, it's declared state of emergency." Obviously, there are multiple aspects to that, having to do with uh, scheduling and, uh, and employee status and things guard had, had to do with their review. And obviously, a lot of it was it was quite a lot of work to get that one have it uh, seen tonight, much less get it out to the public earlier, which we weren't able to do. So. Any any questions on from the council? I just uh, curious on a couple of things. Uh, I noted that the, uh, the county has decided to close its offices for a couple of weeks and uh, just for by appointment only. Uh, is that anything that we might be considering? Or so I can suggest that some staff have been talking about that throughout the day, even earlier, and uh, he helped me just spread it right before the meeting. And there's you know, one thing that we've learned in looking at the county's response and, and wondering how they do a few things is uh, we don't have any land use matters coming before them in the next few months. And uh, they don't process as many, nearly as many uh, certain types of permits that we do. So the challenge that Mr. Estes is struggling with is how to comply with our land use requirements and how can we, um, you know, we have people that come in that just need help getting their permits because they don't understand the paperwork. Sure. So, and so how can we provide that assistance not face-to-face? -face? Yeah, so Councillor, to further expand upon that, um, some conversations today, there's going to be more conversations happening um, in the next day uh, to be able to determine what is possible um, and really get at this issue in, uh, in more detail. Um, and uh, I'll be letting the council and the, and the public know if there are any changes to our um, operating um, methods and whether transition to uh, something similar to the county or something else. Okay, and then as far as the mayor and yourself, uh, conversations with the state and land, the land use issues, and uh, is there any sign or any indication that there will be, will be freed up to uh, be able to have extended deadlines, postpone uh, things, push them out a little bit, put them on hold. And so, so I can tell you on the, uh, we had conferences with the governor today, the mayors uh, around the state, and uh, before I could even speak on Mayor Nancy for that issue up and, and raise it. So it's, it didn't have an answer, but it at least has been raised and was on their uh, governor's list of things to look at. And I guess we have a work session scheduled for Thursday. Is that still? Are we still planning on that, or do we, have we made a decision yet? Yeah, too busy to even think about Thursday. So, okay. so, so what's on the Thursday's work session is dealing with system development charges, um, also um, um, lights crossing um, public rights away, um, and also um, the issue of still revisiting parklets, um, which is on our one parklet is down on 11th Street, and the council wanted to revisit. Uh, there has been conversation uh, with the staff about um, your way to be able to back uh, through a teleconference. But the whole issue comes down to um, still being a forum for uh, the public uh, to be able to listen if they do not have a computer or any other device uh, to be able to listen. I will say, um, in our history work sessions, we all know that it's rare that more than one or two persons ever shows up to a work session. The parklet issue might get two extra people. But uh, I think really, to me, the bigger issue is um, is just staff, staff load. If during this time when there's um, essentially a crisis going on, is that something that's an appropriate 
you said if you'd rather not have your staff spend time on that, we can put it off. I think that we're, we're actually prepared uh, for at least uh, the settlement charges issue. Um, we can talk maybe a little bit more about the, the other items, but definitely system development charges, uh, something that our public works staff um, were able to get that preparation work done before things got uh, um, more uh, escalated. Okay, so we'll, we'll be talking to as to what sort of form, where, where if the, it'll be a telephonic meeting or some other, or in person, just us and probably two other people in the in the, in the community that want to attend the work session so we can space out pretty easily. Okay, well, I appreciate that. And if we postpone it for a week or whatever, um, all my travel plans, so um, I'm available. Okay, and I, again, I appreciate all the work that's gone into this, and I do think it's a very important, it does provide us some additional capabilities, but more importantly, it really sends a strong message to me that uh, we are absolutely taking this extremely seriously. We're following uh, uh, everything that's coming out of the Center for Disease Control and the Oregon Health Authority and the governor's statements today. We are quite certain that it's going to spread the community and we need to do everything possible to encourage all of our members work, what they do during the day, um, to practice social distancing, to um, do everything we can to slow down the rate of transmission. And I think this is an important step. I move that on behalf of the city of Astoria, we need the local emergency in response to the COVID-19 coronavirus outbreak. Second that. Chief question. Councilor Brownson. Aye. Councilor Herman. Aye. Councilor Rocker. Aye. And Mayor Jones. Aye. Resolution 20, Declaration of Emergency within the City of Astoria. Whereas ORS 401.035 and the City of Astoria's Emergency Operations Plan provides authority for the Mayor and City Council to act as an emergency management agency has established policies and protocols for defining and directing responsibilities during time of emergency. This declaration will be in effect for 30 days and may be renewed or until the mayor and council determine that a state of emergency and a current threat no longer exists and where 19 is spreading throughout the United States and has impacted several counties within Oregon. Although there are no confirmed positive cases in Classic County, this is likely to change. City staff have expended and will continue to expend city resources in response to the COVID-19 threat, whereas all departments within the city have taken precautionary measures to minimize the impacts of the COVID-19 outbreak within the city of Astoria. A significant amount of staff time has been put into planning around COVID-19 and will continue as the situation evolves. Now, therefore, be it resolved that the mayor and city council of the city of Astoria formally declare a state of emergency for all of the city of Astoria. And be it further resolved that pursuant to this declaration of a state of emergency, the city was authorized to take such actions and issue such orders as are determined to be necessary to protect the public and property to efficiently conduct activities that minimize or mitigate the effect of the emergency. The declaration specifically authorizes the city to seek state and federal assistance and potentially for local funds spent on COVID-19 response, use streamlined processes for purchasing goods and services as allowed under Oregon law during emergencies, 
and follow emergency plans and procedures as may be needed to protect, protect the public health within the scope of the city's charter and code. City staff shall take all necessary steps allowed by law to coordinate response from this emergency, including such as adopting procedures to minimize exposure to the public and city staff, requesting assistance, and seeking reimbursement from the state of Oregon and the appropriate federal agencies. Effective date, the resolution shall be effective March 16, 2020. Adopted by the City Council this 6th March and approved by the Mayor this 16th day of March 2020. And uh, passed by unanimous vote as documented in the previous roll call. All right, uh, 7B is uh, Ocean View Cemetery Master Plan Presentation and Approval. So, Mayor and Council, I'm just going to do a very brief introduction and, and then turn this over to Jonah Dark McLean, who will be doing an introduction. So, for Council's adopted goal for uh, this, uh, this will be Parks and Recreation Department contracted services of E. Lees and Associates in July of 2019 to develop a master plan for Ocean View Cemetery to provide recommendations that will lead to greater operational and financial stability of site. As a part of the final plan, Katrina Hearn from Ely's and Associates has been asked to provide a presentation of their findings and recommendations to the council. Uh, she is available um, online. We'll be giving the presentation uh, and I'll turn it over to Mr. Garvey Plain. Ultimately, after the presentation is done, it's recommended that council approve the Ocean View Cemetery Master Plan as presented. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, John Garvey Plain, the acting parks recreator. Um, I won't take up too much of your time. I know she's got a lot to say, and uh, hopefully everyone was able to at least glance through the very comprehensive plan that she and her team put together. Uh, it's been a great process, as everyone is aware, uh, starting August of last year uh, on a very expedited line, and I was very pleased with the progress that uh, Katrina made, along with her work with the finance department and our previous staff as well, too, for really delve into a lot of outstanding questions that probably have uh, on a lot of people's minds um, with the cemetery. Um, so this was originally uh, a recommendation from the 2016 Parks Comprehensive Master Plan to have a better uh, understanding and plan for the cemetery and how it's uh, management and administration. And uh, I believe that the overall plan that uh, Ms. Hearn has put together recommendations um, covering operations and administration financial sustainability, and also uh, marketability and the importance of the cemetery as a regional service, not just a story of people all over our area. It really is quite clear the recommendations and the information that's presented in the plan. Uh, with that, I'll turn it over to Katrina, if you can hear me. Yes. Thank you very much. Can you hear me? Mayor Jones and Councillors, thank you very much for uh, allowing this presentation to go ahead. It's been a difficult time and a difficult decision to be there. I love coming to Astoria, so I regret not being there, but uh, we'll make the best of it. So thank you again. I'm going to start fairly quickly um, to allow questions at the end. I know you have a lot of time to read what is quite a long report, but hopefully um, what I present will uh, represent the framework for you, and you can ask just move along. So the first 
point I want to raise is that if the project were, as Jonah alluded to, to foster sustainable development, financial stability, and maintenance at Ocean View Cemetery. Uh, the reason for this is to provide you, city leadership and staff, with a data-oriented framework for decision-making and implementation of best management and financials. We hope as you go through this report that you will see that we've achieved that. What we intend to do is leave you with a document that's going to serve you for at least 25 years and potentially longer. So this is an outline of, uh, of the project trajectory. As mentioned, it was in July. We started up in August uh, in earnest, made a site visit in August, went through analysis and design. We then in November had um, a met with you at that time. We visited the site again. We were joined by our Elton David Evans and Associates uh, out of Portland. We had a really good visit. Launched uh, an online survey that ran for full months and uh, had an astonishing turnout of good responses, which is amazing for a century master plan. Uh, since the beginning of the year, we've been working on the finalized draft, and here we are, right here in March, presenting to you to council. I'm not going to go through this, which is uh, a little bit hard to read, I realize, but I just wanted to point out in the document there is there are a number of um, large pull-out pages and one of them are the summary recommendations you really wanted to know what the master plan was and that's it it is the seven which um, describe operational improvements those are how the cemetery can be managed more effectively and we have a column to explain the rationale each of the four items highlighted in color um, I'm going to go through, and then we will move into um, the physical part of the master plan, which is how the site itself can be managed and improved. In the first section, the operational limits, um, which deal with government administration, operations, and maintenance, um, the, one of the main findings was that you have been historically encumbered by uh, systems that don't, that aren't used, and therefore don't capture some of the information that would have made it easier for us to evaluate the efficient operation. Um, there are management software uh, programs out there that would help with that. We would scrub those. Um, I think your administrators would be very happy to have some new software to help them. Right now, most cemeteries, it, it's a cumbersome system. There's hard copy, there's um, um, digital information, uh, phone calls, emails, all kinds of ways of communicating. If you have a program that is specifically designed for a cemetery, that can be consolidated and, and upgraded. Um, another big learning uh, your staffing level are very low. Um, everyone knows they've decreased recently, last five years or so. You've really gone to a skeleton crowd. Um, there is a real need to establish at least one night person and one seasonal person uh, to maintain the site through the summer. Um, we recommend also that you no longer outsource Saturday internment burials to a subcontractor or to a contractor. Uh, well, we recommend that you update your ocean sanitary rules and regulations. Um, they're antiquated, a bit long, and not user friendly. Um, if you would consider joining the Oregon Cemetery Association, that would give you access to conferences and that would raise overall the um, understanding and efficiency of your staff involved with running cemetery. 
You could consider creating a volunteer salary session or trustees that may or may not be something you want to do. Sometimes it's effective. Terms of operational improvements, uh, currently Ocean View at Ocean View, uh, you offer burial or burial. So um, in this day and age of consumer choice, uh, we recommend that you expand the year management term and memorialization options. What we mean by that is more than simply burial remains or burial casket remains um, to other types of interment plus memorialization so people can have their names at the cemetery even if they are not physically interred there. As mentioned in my previous uh, presentation to you, you have a very high cremation rate, uh, uh, highest in the county in rural areas. So I think that um, that was really supported by the, the response to our surveys and uh, an appetite for more options for interminable remains in many places around the site. As well, um, there was an interest in um, establishing new green burial area. That is a um, a new interment offering that is popular uh, wherever it's introduced, especially in the West Coast of all of North America. Uh, you know you have a beautiful old but crumbling mausoleum building. Uh, we think it has some possibilities. Uh, we suggest a feasibility study and maybe a business case to install interior niches uh, building. And as well, uh, you could look at the feasibility of, in the longer term, creating a very celebration area or an events area with potentially some columbary in it right next door to the mausoleum. In terms of the financial plan, uh, we ran the numbers for your uh, program of how you operate, and we compared that with an alternative financial model. Uh, what that shows, if you look at the graphs, is there's a very strong case for the revenues we make. One of the key ones is to um, reduce the price increases, which are percent per year, reduce that down to 5% per year for the next few years, and then go to basically cost of living increases. As well, you can consider reducing non-resident premiums or perhaps a story of resident price break, but how you do that really depends on you and, and work out, for example, the city of Warrington and Placid County. Your PCF is being well, however, you have the opportunity to improve its performance by tweaking some of the management of your firm. Um, in the event that you are able to create a surplus, which we think is possible um, in your term, you should create a development fund, and that will be available for you to uh, use to fund improvements. Um, I just wanted to touch on the point that your perpetual care fund is intended to be ever used. It is simply a trust that has to be held but it is simply a, a fund that will fund your, your, your maintenance of the site after you all. Um, as before, um, your sanitary systems and procedures report improved financial tracking and reporting. And when you have this, it will make it much easier for you to monitor and revisit the outcomes of your initiatives every five years and make adjustments as needed. In marketing, there are a lot of opportunities. I won't go to the point. But essentially, we do recommend that you establish a, a budget and you look at improvements to the website, to some print materials, to use the social media, partnering with other um, groups to create events, and basically expanding the programming. A really key point is to work to establish Ocean Two's re reputation as a facility for all of Placer County. It is in Warrington, it's owned by the city of Astoria. I think we really need to follow bridges and making it clear to everyone that this is a shared. 
So switching to um, the operational improvements, I indicated um, without showing your previous um, scenario, the projections with the alternative model shows quite a healthy um, trajectory here on this graph, showing your operating revenues rising significantly, um, your operating expenses staying pretty reasonable, and that income following along the same um, optimistic trajectory in terms of your finances. The key point in the perpetual care fund is uh, the balance that you have, the total balance, and what you want to achieve is this point here where you are, are break-even between your um, cost of maintaining your site when it's inactive and you're no, no longer uh, capturing revenue from conducting interments and you're able to maintain it at a reasonable level, which is about 50 or 60% of the maintenance now. Shifting over to the physical plan, those other points were not physical, so how you manage it. But for clarity, this is the entire cemetery. It's about the acres. This is your 40 acres of developed. For developed area, you have some, some sections that are placid, but they are not completely ready to be sold. Those do need developed with graves and made available for sale. We are suggesting that uh, some of the development, for example, in this area and over here, um, the proposed layout is changed a little bit, um, potentially to have a level of service or a different type of interment. The undeveloped area in the north, uh, if anyone's gone up there, there is a big open area and surrounded by uh, forest. It slopes down on both sides. This is what the, the area looks like in terms of contours. At the very north edge, there's a little parcel that may ever be a functional part of the cemetery, so that, that needs to be looked at in the long term. But the overall good news for you have a lot of space, and you are going to be able to use your site for a very long time. Your demand rate is relatively low. It will increase slightly over time. But you have probably at this site amazing luxury and um, that's an unusual thing. We do a lot of cemetery master plans. You're very fortunate to asset. You have probably um, close to 100 years and another 100 years up here. Looking at a site that's going to serve your community for 200 years. In terms of the physical plan, without going into a lot of detail, we uh, showed little blocks of what we uh, recommending based on our site visits and stakeholder engagement, talking with the community, talking with you, talking or reviewing um, uh, participants in the survey tools. At the end of the day, we came up with a series of, of uh, recommendations for improvement pathways, new planting, different types of interment, improvements to areas. Overall, there's a potential. You have a beautiful old cemetery design. There's a lot of potential to refresh that and reinvigorate that and make it more legible by um, introducing improvements in the right areas. Touching on the public engagement, which was very large in the survey, this is the outcome of the Survey Monkey survey. Um, a couple of key points. One of the big ones to see was that um, generally um, this consensus maintenance has improved either slightly or greatly at the site, and that has been through the efforts, the really heroic efforts of a very small staff. I think everyone has seen the improvements. A few people haven't, but most have seen the improvements. 
And the other big learning we got from this was really what people want most. And they still want um, lawn and care. These are the basic maintenance uh, pieces of managing the site. Also, waste management and everything from just litter and, and general garbage right through to managing um, issues of life, including yeast. Uh, water, there's no water at your site. There are water lines that are not functional right now. Big demand for water, not only available to uh, visitors to use, but also would help with street care, a little bit irrigation as needed. And finally, the wildlife management also um, was ranked relatively high. You do have issues on your site with brown squirrels, uh, elk, deer, all kinds of things. Uh, there needs to be some edge managing those so they're not a maintenance problem and safety hazard. As well, uh, from the survey, we heard that uh, most people still really are interested in uh, the core pieces of the cemetery, which is attending funerals and burials and paying respects to visit at the cemetery. But there was also significant interest in information about the site and attending events, like we have the Talking Tombstones now, events like that, and passive recreation, quite a strong market for that. So, in terms of new burial options, uh, green burial ranked very highly, a scattered and other types of, of cremation internment reflecting the interest information. Some interest in lium, in approvals of the mausoleum and maybe some columbarium, memorial features and other columbarium throughout the site. Interest potentially in family urn and ossuaries. When we looked at all the information we had, we basically ranked them in terms of the stakeholder input. So we took, it, took the ranking uh, from the survey, and then we sorted them separately uh, in terms of the return on investment. So because one of the things very important for modern cemetery is to offer this like manner, we sorted what people wanted most, and then among those items, we selected uh, as a key project, the items that would likely return highest, the highest return on investment. So those are items that will increase, will people, uh, will increase your revenues, and also will serve the greatest number of customers. We also felt that improvements that improve the reputation of the cemetery overall, so that were general, they were general improvements. For example, along with providing water, those also ranked quite highly. So you can see the sheet, these are all high return on investment because they have a general um, value to the community and they also offer um, an opportunity for excellent return on investment. Travel improvements, there were 20 of them, I'll go through these fairly quickly, but basically water access was key. The current process here is labor intensive and, and not optimal. A new set of kiosks would be wonderful, uh, a great welcome to the cemetery. More wayfinding, now you have these charming, lichen-covered wooden signs. <laughs> uh, the real need for more signage, especially to mark sections. Waste management is the big issue, as mentioned. Here is a point in place, the cemetery section markers would help people find their way through the site. Uh, improve the entry gates and, and fencing right now. This is always locked and this is open. There are opportunities to create little cremation areas, little garden areas where you could have different types of cremation in terms, especially along the lakeshore. 
those who like the woodsy quality, there's an opportunity on the east side of the site to create similar sections uh, for cremation internment. Right now, one restroom in this operational is not available to the public. It is in the uh, works building. There is also a restroom in the chapel, but it's locked and generally not available at all, so the public's out of luck. The Lakeshore Green Burial Area is the area that would be would lend itself very well to offering green burial. Uh, veterans area, people that are on top of the mound, there's a small memorial session, memorial area for the improved new materials. We also see new sign improvements. Historically, there was a very strong geometry right to where the chapel is and the museum that, that could be improved and made much more attractive and dramatic. There's historic infant burial area. We talked a lot last time I was here about how this area is, and it has tremendous potential to be um, developed for more interments, but it could also be a remarkable cultural asset, Ocean View. Crest Avenue, a little bit bleak. Um, it starts to feel a little bit different site, uh, a bit more like the seaside, so maybe doing some more seashore type plantings through here. But most of your graves are for sale in this area, so providing some men in terrific. And then bring the edge of the site with the uh, sort of a dune uh, structure, um, allowing uh, Jonah and his crew to, to manage cemetery spoils and other debris behind where it's screened from view. This is your mausoleum, the Abbey Mausoleum, uh, with potential incisions. He's got other um, potential as well, but the first one, of course, will be uh, the restoration of the outside because it is looking a little sad. Uh, the future cell garden, we envisage this as being in lieu of building. We believe that this building probably has seen its best days and is no longer an asset. If this were removed, you could develop this entire precinct with uh, cremation product as well as an events area. There could be washer facility running water. You could have it bent a little bit more ornamental landscaping. It could become a real amenity for Ocean View. Avenue the Holy Cross is a major drive through this. Again, we think it could use a little bit more landscape to make it uh, attractive and appealing. And taking care of it, that's an important element as well. Um, right now, it just be a strategy to figure out what you need to do. And in the very long term, it would be one of boardwalk or connection over to the far side of the lake. There is a future trail on this side. And making a trail or making a boardwalk connect with the viewpoints could really be a wonderful access to the cemetery in the future. To touch on some of the costing, we did go through a pretty comprehensive costing exercise at high level uh, design in order to be able to quantify costs. These were the priorities uh, and the approximate costs for them. So you can see we, for each of the three phases, A, B, and C, or phase one, two, and three, prioritize the baby uh, with approximate pricing. Um, this is up to you to decide what goes first. Uh, we are suggesting that phase one would begin pretty right away and go through for maybe four or five years. Phase two would be five years plus. Again, priorities A, B, C. And phase three would be potentially five years plus, probably more years. It depends how your funding goes. 
we did include a section on funding sources and implementation. So, uh, depending how aggressively you um, get secure funding, these can move up. But obviously, ticket items will have to be further down the road. I do have uh, more information. If you want detail, I would leave it there and open this up to questions to anyone who has any questions. When you look at where the trends are between cremation uh, and traditional burial, I'm sorry, can you repeat that? Uh, in a previous presentation, you talked about uh, uh, changes in people's preferences between traditional burial and can you remind yes. us of what those trends are and to what extent they go? Yes, you have currently about a 2% cremation rate. It's about 3% higher than um, Surandria. Uh, so that is projected to go up to about 90% uh, in the next 25 years. So obviously it's really taking off. And because of that, you need to serve the cremation customer. That is your market. There will always be some people who will want a casket burial, but cremation is huge. So we really encourage you to think about the many ways you can provide for cremation interment. Uh, the other side of the coin, ironically, is uh, that many cremation customers and agree what green burial is and uh, that you offer it will in fact choose green burial on the perception that it is more environmental, which in fact is true. So again, um, the serving the cremation customer both by offering any cremation interment options and also offering them green burial will really ultimately serve 90% of, of the residents of Plaza County. Thank you. Yeah, I, I don't really have any particular questions. I did have a chance to uh, uh, scan through the report, and, uh, and I think that it looks like a very thorough job, which is a lot to work with. Um, so, forward to seeing where we can implement this uh, in, in some of these more important areas to find ways to get there. I noticed. At the end, you did have a potential like granting agencies and whatnot. So there's some, maybe some opportunities early on that we can do those things. And um, hope in the near future, that our budget allows us to, to see forward, particularly in the main. I know it's really important one, it's a tough one. Uh, once again, having being able to personnel that's needed and you know, having one, one full time uh, would be huge out there, right? And to have a part time to help supplement during the summer season, spring, summer season. So I look forward to being uh, pursuing this and, and see what we can do. That's it. Yeah, I look forward to it as well. I think um, any effort on, on our part would be a great, well received by the public. Um, I had a couple questions, but you answered both of them. Uh, and one thing I really appreciate is I'm always wondering about the, the associated costs. So I appreciated the very clear numbers and the costs down uh, in the table um, that was also prioritized. So thank you for that. Yeah, I'm very impressed with the plan, and uh, hope we can begin to execute it. I'll see the budget hearing start next month. Do you have any comments? Yeah, I just wanted to thank Ethan and Associates for the quality of work that went to them. Um, I was one who was skeptical about the cost initially, but obviously it's no offense because 
like to explain in the seminar cemetery that we were to say is a huge, uh, of huge importance to so many in the community while in the decades to come. So I'm really glad we went through this. I'd like to add to Joan's comment, your point about how the space involved, how much we have, and we're really talking about um, the next one to 200 years. So any investments that we make now, it's not like they're gonna be for two years. Um, I, I like to term uh, emphasis on this and, and on the report as well. Mayor Mann, make a, please, a comment. So one of the things that's actually as a part of the upcoming budget season is uh, our finance director is working with Mr. Dark McLean, and um, you'll be seeing some changes to the budget um, in this next uh, budget cycle, uh, try to uh, take one of the recommendations from the plan and be able to better segregate um, expenses for some, um, you know, the, the whole side of how, um, you know, money flows out. So that's something that Ms. Brooks is starting to work on already as a part of the budget process. I think we have one last question for Brad or Jonah. Go ahead. Little plan posted on the city's website so businesses can find it easily. Um, yes, it will be posted on the parking site. Great. Okay, motion please. To adopt. I accept and adopt the plan for cemetery improvement. I second that. I, I opposed. Aye. All right, item 7C is a resolution authorizing the city of Astoria to apply for a local government grant from the Oregon Parks and Recreation for Riverwalk improvements, including wayfinding signage and installation. So the city has an opportunity to apply for a grant from the Oregon Parks, Department of Parks and Recreation through its local government grant program. And this program is through Oregon Lottery provides about $4 million. The project, I have a number of different items that the city has discussed over the past few years and more specifically a recent city council work session. Um, Joan and Dr. plan to give a presentation, a brief presentation on this in a little bit. Uh, but, uh, Tonight, um, the staff is uh, seeking guidance as to whether or not to submit this application. The deadline to submit is April 1st. Uh, our community development and park staff have been working with the Downtown Association, Sarah Lou Heath, and David Reed with the Chamber Book here tonight to develop a list of specific improvements and probable costs. So I would note um, in the memo there is a total estimated amount of 841000 uh, in the ask amount for the grant, um, this would require a amount of 40%, which uh, would $6,576. So based upon the concept design, this estimated the match could be drawn three funds. First of all, the ask for every renewal district of 36%, uh, providing $121,161 approximately. The ask for East Urban Renewal District where 10% of the project would be located, or approximately $30,657. And then lastly, areas that are not within an urban renewal district would come from the Pomona Astoria Fund, which includes 54% or 
or $181,751. So um, should the grant be able to match amount for each fund would be apportioned, depending specifically on how much work or expenditure would uh, in each area. And so the specific dollar amount would be determined at a later time. Um, you'll note that this is also on the Astoria Development Commission agenda, uh, so that you can um, consider that um, in both the hats as also the City Council and the Development Commission. So I do want to note that should the Council authorize the middle of this grant, staff would be ascertaining this is a directive to put these respective amounts in the draft budget for this next fiscal year. Uh, this project would um, is, uh, to be implemented um, in the next fiscal year. Um, well, uh, we would say that the Council is providing direction that this is a priority project uh, to be able to move forward directing an application. Um, the other things that's been talked about um, is to uh, doing work on the 14th Street dock, which is going to be a very costly replacement project. Um, and so um, what uh, we would be looking at is including these amounts in the draft budget for consideration. We would then have to look and see resulting funds would be available in the promote fund. This is one I'm specifically concerned about. Um, and that there are a number of um, annual expenditures uh, which are included in, the, in there. Uh, so we will look at what other resulting funds would be available to do any other project available. So I, I want to put that on, on the table uh, for council tonight. If, if you're applying, um, and Mr. Dark McClain and I will be looking at this as, as a priorities project, uh, and we would be putting that in the draft budget. Of course, we have to go through the budget process um, and through the budget committee and ultimately adopted by the city council to apply now and we'll be able to have a commitment that we would provide this match should it be uh, approved. Thank you. So, Mr. Estes, could you talk a little bit more about the specific alternative projects that might use some of these funds that we would be essentially by improving this as a topic as yeah. a higher priority. Yeah, I want to cut into one of the, this last year, um, the, the city council had provided uh, direction uh, that they wanted to look like for a grant for restrooms, wayfinding, um, lighting, those types of things. Um, to be able, that's what we've got here today. Um, the council has also provided direction that they'd like to see the 14th Street um, repair because we're having to close it uh, at periods of time uh, because it's uh, structural integrity. and um, that's going to be a pretty costly project to be able to, to undertake. Uh, we're working to determine uh, the approach that it's going to take to be able to do that repair work, um, but that's one project we may have to wait uh, to, to be able to move forward. Maybe there's some small things to look and see. But I, I just don't see us being able to do this project and the 14th Street Dock the, the same fiscal year. I would note that there are some other asks out there as well um, that you know, we'll just have to be what we can we can do. Um, but we definitely want to try and retain um, the base um, projects that we've got in there right now, um, such as uh, um, repairing the trestles in a consistent manner um, we've done for the past few years. Um, also, uh, to be able to um, um, pay for the care and maintenance of our visitor-oriented uh, um, 
Um, I would say that uh, one of the things we're having to consider is the council provided directives that they would like to see a higher level of maintenance of our existing bathrooms um, to provide more cleaning throughout the year. We'll have to determine whether or not that, you know, financially um, doable. Um, also, this is coming at a time um, uh, where there is some some question as to how it's important with regards to our Chromonet story fund. Um, just the, this next fiscal year. Uh, so all these things are, are having to be taken into consideration. Uh, I would also note that the um, the Esquire Warrington um, uh, Chamber of Commerce through their LCTC, the Lord Visitor Center, uh, receives uh, funds from the Promote Esquire Fund as the Esquire Downtown Historic District Association. They receive uh, funds uh, from the Promote Esquire Fund. Well, we've all heard uh, constituents for years ask for more base entities along the river walk, specifically light. We've heard lots of complaints about people, especially in the time of year when the sunsets are people want lighting. Certainly, we know we need restrooms and wayfinding signage. And I think these are all very important things that our constituents have told us they want. And we have the opportunity to get 60%. Grant somebody else. We have 40 is a lot of money, but it's not 60, it's not 100. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm in favor of it. Mr. Dr. Clay does have a presentation too, so I don't know if it's kept to the chase, but we'll let him uh, be able to talk a little bit about the grant. So, thanks. Sure. So, uh, and I apologize, Mike Morgan, obviously, uh, we can never all did a lot of work on this presentation too, so I think that this is mostly due to all their efforts. Um, but just in brief, you know, here is a quick rundown of the different components of this project. The reason why these, uh, these items were selected uh, was for prioritization through the city council, as well as indication of our master plan. And then also the uh, state of Oregon has their uh, score rating for recreational facilities, where they um, provide guidance on what would be more or less attractive to, to Get the public funding for, so that's why you have things like ADA uh, improvements and also So here's a, a really brief, uh, rough breakdown of the budget for this project. You can see that all the different components are not even though they're terribly expensive, um, but then in aggregate, obviously, if it represents a large amount. And then two, with the diversity of the, the different pieces of the project, this kind of what makes it sort of all of these components in order to make it a better scoring application. We will note too on there the project management fund to be able to hire a person of her that would provide support through the project um, to procure all these construction aspects. As Mr. Estes pointed out, the breakdown of where these funds would come from are these funds. Um, so that was a total 40% match of around $130,000. Not a small amount. This is just a kind of overview of the different sections of the Riverwalk. I believe everyone's pretty familiar with what it looks like at this point, but uh, Sean, that doesn't have any specifics for the locations of the improvements necessarily. You can see that Ballard's an acorn pole lighting, actually, not including bulkhead lighting, is another example of lighting we would uh, have. And then wing signs throughout the length of the uh, Riverwalk from the West End or 39th Street and beyond, I believe. 
And then a restroom at the People's Park, which is going to be where the uh, North Heritage Park uh, monument will be constructed in the next year or so. And then ADA improvements throughout the entire. Uh, another example of the Portland Blue that we talked about in November at the uh, City Council work session. Um, attractive alternative that uh, a lot of municipalities are finding to be used um, to offer restrooms that is still somewhat uh, the examples of an easier to clean. Uh, both, as I mentioned, these are actually photographs um, between the 10th and 11th Street uh, ends there on the trestle. Um, so adding more of those to kind of have the waist height lighting that we want to make it easier for people to see what's going on on the river walk, but then also not um, making more of a light pollution throughout the downtown area. And then uh, these are some examples of the existing acorn lighting at the street ends um, that were constructed in the last year. They're usually placed to the student feet this design throughout the uh, ADA improvements we're talking about there is uh, these bumpers on the, uh, the, the slide there that shows um, a guard to be able to prevent um, tires uh, for wheelchairs or bicycle boards from falling in via crack next to the, the trolley tracks. And obviously, we've got several miles of tracks from the length of this project area, so that could add up to the cost, as well as uh, other minor improvements on ADA access in the areas where maybe it's just more difficult. To have um, full access to the river. We find signage on this example of a very old wheelchair for mile markers that we have um, along the walk dated to be more, more used to people exercising or walking along the river walk. And then on the right, this is an example actually of an interpretive sign. And, uh, more of an update for a wayfinding in order to do different types of signs throughout the length of the river walk as well. I'm just going to highlight some of the history that we're also going to be quite some interest in your body. One quick question. You, um, I heard, I think Sarah say that the lighting would extend to 39th Street, here's the 9th, is that correct? There are several different areas that won't have light. Um, is not going to be universal from one end to other. And I believe the last set, I believe the last day will be ball light lighting between Charlie Scott at the Harvey Center and Mill Pond. And then there were additional acorn lighting and the post lights that we have uh, at the terminus of some between about 30th and 36th, um, which currently are not well lit at intersections of the Quebec area. So intersection, intersection by the river walk, or like like square streets come to come to the river walk connection, the Morning Basin junction there, future roadways. Okay, so not really lighting along the river walk. No, no. The, the what we're looking at is at this point. We're looking for ways to be able to uh, utilize existing electrical connections. And so by this grant, uh, we get the baller lighting at least the mill pond uh, through this is, is really kind of a focus. And then be able to have some additional lighting at some of the roadway connections to further to the east. Um, some of the bulkhead lighting is more um, within the area between the Holiday Inn Express towards, uh, towards downtown. But uh, it's we've got to be able to take this off kind of like in, in 
bits and pieces. And so these, this is a way where you could extend some of the bottom lining, but it, it won't, you can see even the price to be able to do that. Um, it's one of the higher, uh, higher price tag items on the, the list of application items we just need to look for other opportunities for these in the future. I'm kind of curious that we that there's not the electrical infrastructure in place out there. You have to I think, all that in the I, think, I think there's that in our own electric as well. The thing is, is we have to be able to look and focus at where can we get the most bang for our buck and putting together an application um, that we think could uh, be successful. This is something that you know, we've been able to at least work within the parameters of the score as Mr. Dr. Klein said, to, to put together something we think that's going to best meet the criteria. Um, and um, a full just lighting of the river walk just may not complete that. We, we were also looking at areas that- Sorry, sorry. Absolutely, we probably caught the last one. So we catch all Thanks for John for being patient. Um, one of the other things that we our, our personal city funds and grant funds. They were kind of two things at work. We get things that went over trestles uh, for, for baller lighting because there's no way for maybe a, a property owner abutting a river walk to do that. That's something that the city takes on. And then other areas such as the space between the party center and the economy often used for public that does not have any near source of land is a highly trafficked area for residents coming using that station corridor. Um, so those were some of how we made those decisions when we couldn't uh, widely fund multi-million dollar projects. And Mayor, um, uh, Councilor Herman, maybe if I can try yeah. to please to dial her back in. Councilor Herman? Yeah, I'm back. Oh, okay, okay. Thank you. We just we paused, so we're keeping. Go ahead. Okay. Is that a question or? Yeah. Mostly a question. It seems to me I've heard too a number of a lot of people that a number of people have talked about what architects out there between. Uh, you know, from a Safeway to 39th and whatnot, and so it's, it's not a place to walk at night. So, um, you know, we hope that someday we can stress that and get a little bit more lighting out there with you. I'm also hearing you're, you're in that area or not. Your radio was stopped at East Morgan, is that right? That's part of the door. I think there are acorn lights, and one of the ones that we have downtown planned for, but not necessarily every intersection between Milfond and Pier 39. For example, I believe that uh, the terminus of, is it Pickett Street that runs past the police station and the works, and, and, and then there's a private building over the water, so that's a little bit of a confluence of a need for lighting there. Um, 
and I think we'll see some of those um, smallest details burnt up. It should be awarding and, and, and these go out to bid contingencies. But the goal is to light the terminus of streets. Right. What I'm hearing is that this is an opportunity if we take it to the effort. We can take the bail and get some things done at that point. We may otherwise have to put off some, you know, whatever we have to do. And doing this piece by piece doesn't doesn't bother me. That in fact is how the entire law was accomplished. We're not into a piece by piece thing to what we have. Uh, it is such a tremendous asset for the city now that this just seems like a great investment. And it answers a lot of people have been asking for. Not all, but a lot. Um, and I know in, in, in my ward uh, in Uniontown, uh, people will be uh, bringing children away from me. Because they feel now like they're driving no attention here at all to the fact that the historic part of the city exists. So I think it's a great step forward. It's not perfect, it doesn't do everything, but the next time we make it more perfect. So I, I'm fully supportive. Is this a good time for, are we in council discussion or still question? Okay. Well, I'm obviously, oh, sorry, Jim. I'm obviously excited about this grant. Um, and fully trust that you guys understand the parameters of it and are going to create the funding where it's needed and that it is um, you know some some first steps or additional towards a lot of what people are asking for. Um, obviously I would love to see um, all, at least all the way until Pier 39. I think that security uh, is a huge concern through Alderbrook underwalk because it's very dark. Um, I also will say too that out in that area is the number one thing you're back as far as what. So a little bit disappointed to hear that that that, that won't happen with this grant, uh, especially if funding is coming from yes, yeah, so from the middle fund. Actually, that that askeries from the middle fund, we're including the lighting to the extent. That it allows. No, no, actually, to the to the full extent of this rate. Okay. Right. Oh, for how far it goes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I I just I, uh, would like to continue to advocate for extended lighting down through all the brick through that area. Um, and if this grant, of course, can, uh, address that entirely, um, I do understand. And I and I appreciate your comments. Like, if I can do anything to help with the grant. I know you guys are in good hands. I also think it's hugely important that uh, we commit to match because on applications that is um, extremely motivating for grantors when they're looking to uh, fund something or secure funding is, is a big deal. So, so I'll, I'll read the resolution book. Oh, can I make Oh, I'm sorry, John. Thank you. Um, I'm working to get the waypoint plan will only be along the riverwalk as it's still even in the downtown core, but I don't know if that's included in the grant. We're focused um, along the uh, the riverwalk. Okay. And then does any get the grant money include um interpreted funds that have been out for about 20 years and had to bear many thorns? Yes, it will. Yes, it, it would it would take those and and replace them with new uh, 
And there's about, I'll just submit it, um, Council Herman and Mr. Gordon Cunningham to, to follow up as well. Sure. The, the wayfinding, like you pointed out, would be along the river walk, but it would be a component that we could use as a template to incorporate more wayfinding throughout the downtown core and then up through the Array. So it would be uh, another similar to the lighting piece where it's an incremental improvement uh, to look at that go along later on. Okay, great. I can say that I do support applying to the grant. It's a lot of money for coming up with uh, um, a would come from lodging tax dollars. Um, and I just think, as Roger said, the river walk is perhaps our greatest draw, or one of the not only for visitors, but locals, and we need to take care of it. So I'm saying go for it. So, I want to just reiterate what uh, Council Rocca has stated about the river walk. The river walk, for those who may not be aware, started, and this was way before my time, started as a project between the Maritime Museum and the former England Marine. That was the first river walk project right there. Um, and in other words, that was right. And the city got a grant to be able to, to build that, and that the first river walk. Uh, since I've, I've been here for 12 and a half years, and um, I've been a part of two Riverwalk expansions where there was not Riverwalk uh, before, and that was the Port of Astoria expansion. Um, Jeff Harrington and uh, were the hired consultants who did that project when, before they came to work for the city of Astoria. And the other one, um, which was a grant-funded project with, in parts of the, with ODOT, um, and the Port of Astoria and the Western Renewal District. And the other project was the expansion um, of the River Walk um, on the trestles and Alderbrook connecting over to Stinky Beach um, and over to that side of the project, which was uh, was also funded by grant monies. And so what we've been able to do over time is, is do these events little by little, piece by piece, uh, and to be able to get to the improvements. And, and I look at this as as an opportunity to be able to take this and do a little bit more, doesn't get everything, but what we can do then is say, okay, what's the next, if we are able to be successful, then say, yes, look what we've accomplished, what is the next thing we can do to, to improve this this jewel which our, our community and our citizens love uh, to be able to use. I will, uh, I will read it and uh, we'll have a vote. Resolution authorizing the Sestoran to apply for a local government grant from Oregon Parks and Rec for Riverwalk improvements, including wayfinding signage, lighting, and restroom installation, and delegating to the city manager to sign the application. Whereas Oregon Parks and Rec is accepting applications for a local government grant program, and whereas the city of Astoria desires to participate in this grant for the greatest extent possible as a means of providing needed park and recreation acquisitions, improvements, and enhancements. And City Council have identified numerous improvements along the Riverwalk as high priorities. And whereas the improvements include wayfinding, interpretive signage, lighting, and public restroom. And whereas the City of Astoria has available low action funds to fulfill its share of obligation related to this grant application should the grant be awarded. And whereas the City will provide funding for ongoing operations and maintenance of this park and recreation facility grant to be awarded. Now, therefore, be resolved by the City Council of the City of Astoria as follows. 
city demonstrates its support for the submittal of a grant application for the Oregon Park and Recreation to improvements on the riverwalk. And two, this resolution shall be effective following adoption possible. So, having heard said resolution, can we have a motion? So moved. Second. All right. Motion and a second to adopt the resolution. Roll call. Mr. Pearson. Councilor Bronson. Aye. Councilor Herman. Aye. Robust. Aye. Councilor Rocco. Aye. Ender Jones. Aye. And thank you very much. Thank you, Ms. Heath, Mr. Reed, Mr. Gardner. Uh, item, item 7D is a public hearing and first reading for an ordinance adding city code 7.101 relating to criminal history record checks, policies, response, or observer applicants for police fire and dispatch. So the city currently has an ordinance of criminal history record checks to be conducted on applicants for potential employment, liquor licenses, and certain volunteers. However, it does not have an ordinance allowing record checks of observers who would be citizens who wish to ride along for fire departments to serve to, to serve dispatch uh, operations. So if adopted, this ordinance would allow the city to access uh, the Oregon State Police Criminal Offender Information Law Enforcement Data Systems for all citizen observers who wish to do the ride-alongs or observations. So tonight it's recommended that council hold a public hearing with regards to this ordinance amendment and consider holding a first reading of ordinance amending section 7.101. Okay, I'll open the public hearing at this time as for a uh, First of all, I should be a hold of and ask if anyone wishes to okay. testify. Yeah, does anyone wish to testify uh, in favor of this ordinance? Does anyone wish to testify neutral to this ordinance? Does anyone wish to testify opposed to this ordinance? Public hearing is closed. Any council discussion? Well, there go my rights. <laughs> <laughs> It was fun while passing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. First reading, please. Uh, the addition of City Code 7.101 with criminal history records check policies for citizen ride alongs or river applicants for police, fire, and dispatch. And this item will now be brought back to your next meeting for a second reading and consent adoption. Okay, thank you. Okay, our last uh, regular agenda item is 7D, Appeal 820-01 of Planning Commission Approval for Temporary Peace Request, CU 19-21 by Pacific Seafood and 263 West Exchange during an appeal hearing process and appeal hearing date. So staff has received an appeal by 13 residents uh, headed by Scott Benton for Temporary Conditional Use Request, CU 91. And this is dealing with the use of the former Astoria Point building for housing. And is the city council's past practice to hear most appeals de novo, meaning the council new testimony from the public. Uh, the other option for consideration is on the record, where limitations are, and they, there only can be re-argument of already made statements. I would note in the packet that the appellants initially requested an on-the-record uh, hearing. However, they have now changed uh, and have now requested a de novo hearing. 
Um, I would note that City Attorney Hinnaker favored an on-the-record appeal hearing as the relevant issues raised by the economists have been considered by the planning uh, So, um, in this case, um, in trying to address the 120-day rule as extended, um, we need to have the council um, have it by April 26, 2020. So it's recommended the hearing itself be April 20th meeting. I would uh, note not be any discussion with regards to the facts of the case uh, that we need to happen after a notice has been provided. Um, I would, Mayor, um, in talking with um, the city attorney in advance, he may have some additional comments with regards to um, the type of hearing to choose um, based upon the scenario we're working under with having um, reduced number of individuals, having uh, being able to attend meetings, um, and may have some additional guidance on the type of hearing to be able to determine. Um, I would note also that um, we will have to be figuring out a way uh, to be able to um, coordinate the public hearing. Uh, staff has already been brainstorming ways to be able uh, to do that. We can only have 25 people in the room at one time. Um, if people um, are not able to provide testimony in writing, um, we're we'll working with Mr. Walmack on any currently coordinated discussion, but we may have to have people outside the building and not able to enter. Um, and until later, it's time for them to be able to pray. Uh, so those are some logistics that we'll have to be looking at. But uh, I may have some additional commentary on this hearing uh, to be able to uh, set. Thank you. Um, no, originally, I favored a on record hearing because uh, it's pretty well developed. Uh, it's a, a new use that has never been tried before. And so most of the agenda tend to be, if you look at the notice of appeal, sort of the speculative nature. Most of those have been addressed, are addressed somewhere in the record. And so you'll be able to see answers or make your decision based on the Second, we haven't been given any real particularly good reason from the applicants or the appellants why they'd like a noble hearing as opposed to uh, not a record hearing. But my other observation is that historically, uh, when a review is on the record, you have less testimony, encourages people more to submit things in writing. And it probably keeps the number of people at the hearing down. At least that's my, my impression from pre land use hearings that ended up in So then, just to be clear, if if we were to hold the hearing on the record, the record would consist of anything submitted, anything that's already been, you know, on, in the record from the planning commission meetings, plus anything that is submitted to us in writing until the date of. Well, no, the, no. The evidence, the evidence, the factual basis that a, a person denied the permit would have to be in the record that is developed by the planning commission. Arguments could be prevent, presented to you one way or the other to tell you why the record denial were appropriate, uh, but there could be no new evidence offered. And no evidence submitted subsequent to the day of planning commission meeting? Is any, or is any written evidence? Correct. Okay. So it's it's on the record as of whatever was in the record when that planning commission meeting ended. Okay. Thank you. I mean, I know myself, I, as as the um, as the memo states, we typically give a hearings, and I personally 
and I think all, all of us, we've had a few of these in the past where it's probably the favorite the notable appearance because if, since we want not have the commission meetings, even though we can go record, um, we need to listen to the transcript, we want to debate on, we, you know, we bias towards giving everyone a chance to test it uh, and hearing it again ourselves. But um, but, but I think Mr. Esty's comments, um, and frankly, I was, um, you know, prepared to support the note on the record for that reason. But I think it is a good point if we foresee bumping up against the 120 day rule. We're going to be in April. April is going to be a, a time when we're dealing with a real outbreak of COVID 19. And given that the, the record is pretty packed, there's the meeting that's continued, there's quite a bit of testimony offered. It's a pretty full record. And um, I would be concerned that if we had a de novo hearing in April, there would be many people who would want to testify who wouldn't be able to. And then some people would and some wouldn't. And it's almost more well, if we just say do it on the record. And, and whoever has submitted information to the record up until the date of that last planning commission meeting, we're going to review all that thoroughly. So I'm kind of changing my normal stance on these things from uh, thinking on the record might be more equitable. May I ask a, a question about this just so I'm clear? Uh, if it's on the record, people would be able to write in um, and uh, advocate for something that is in the record as being the correct to take. Is that what I'm kind of understanding? Yes, they could, but offer in new evidence. But does that have to be a person who testified first time around, or can that be someone new who made this particular point uh, in, in one of the consents? There's no particular reason why it would be the uh, performance of the performance would have to have appeared in trying to think. Well, all of this, I have 17 different names on the government. There's 17 people dealing with There was a lot of participation in, in the planning commission hearing. So, so just to clarify, someone who, Mr. Attorney, you're saying that if someone um, did not participate in the planning uh, hearing process, uh, if there was an uh, on the record hearing new to the, to the process, could still participate with an on the record hearing, but they would have to focus on the testimony received in her lower right. area. They would have to focus on what happened below this decision. Uh, the city council would have to give some to us what happened below. Well, uh, like the mayor, um, I mean, normally our tradition is to go to the noble and let everyone have their say. But that presents special difficulties. And we do have a timeline that we have to meet regardless there's been no leap on that so far. Yeah, we, we actually have had an extension um, actually provided. I think it's more time, and but this is what we've been conveyed. What's been given out and is we wouldn't be able to get further extensions. And the planning commission had more than one hearing on this, did they not? That's correct. Yeah. So one could presume that a brand new fresh argument that had never been made before most of what is going to be said has been said. As long as there's still that opportunity for people to come in and emphasize how they feel about it based on the I guess in this special circumstance, I could support on the record hearing just because of the virus. I also remind the, the council that whatever argument is made has to be on the notice of appeal to sign. They couldn't raise an argument that didn't appear in that notice of appeal. And so we, we know what arguments can be. 
Councillor Herman, did you have anything to say? No, I think you've all said it and why it's bothered that we, we need to go on the record because I can see a situation where even if we allow one person to come in, they'd be pulling outside and would be the city, you know, what we're trying to do is to avoid um, social distancing. So I report on the record. Yeah, I'm, I'm comfortable with it. It's coming in. Um, so, you know, one of the only issue that I had personally, but it's not a big deal at the moment, is that I can see the right. So, that, that, is, that is specific on purpose. So, I don't know what people appeal or not. But, so, I, I think, but, you know, listening to you and also the idea that there were a lot of people and the, if they didn't get, get all their interests out at that point, then um, I think we've done a good job. And they'll have an opportunity to restate the right. So. Uh, the purpose of that is we, the purpose of not having the appeal notice in this council packet was we need to make sure that there is no discussion. Um, well, it's not the appeal notice. I, I haven't seen it from the Planning Commission meeting, which is probably, which is in my purview. Yes, and so, um, and so what I would say, I'm sorry to go for it, not read them as yes. well, because of that. Well, I, okay, yeah. So I think those were actually included in this, this packet. All right, sounds like we're in agreement then. Do we have a motion? I move that we uh, have an on the record hearing um, for the um, uh, the reuse of the uh, the Aster. Yeah. So, so Councilor, what we'll be looking at is is a motion for the city council to set um, an on the record appeal um, at the date. April 20th, 2020. Okay, right. <laughs> so it's on, on the record. Council Herman, would you like to say? Yes. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? Okay, before we uh, recess to uh, the Estuary Development Commission, is there any uh, new business from the council? And finally, uh, are there any who would like to uh, offer public comment? Mr. Thomas. Mark 2nd, I spoke before you, that was before the Netherlands and Holland recall all our citizens, Canada did too. Canada has just closed its border and has. Um, all of Italy is in quarantine. The Peace Corps were called all their volunteers. Iran is digging mass graves in these scenes from outer space with stockpiles of wine. Apparently, in preparation for mass burials. Sunday, I listened to the uh, President of the United States assert that he is suppressing testing with the aim of reducing the number of confirmed cases. This is an implicit policy of concealment. 
And as anyone will tell you, the worst thing you possibly do with pandemic is attempt to conceal the extent of the disease. This is indeed how you capture a pandemic in the first place. Back in 1907, in Naples, Italian government arrested doctors, packed their phone lines, burned their pro schulsters and accused them of sanitary defeatism because money that had been spent on their sewage systems in Naples had been packed and embezzled by the local population. And the sewage uh, drainage system went nowhere, thus causing the outbreak of cholera, what they call Asiatic cholera. Uh, indeed, in the outbreak of SARS, and even in the outbreak of this uh, COVID-19 virus, we're where uh, a policy concealment is, uh, is attenuating and making the situation much, much worse. Uh, now is not the time fear or panic. There is work to happen. There's no time for recrimination. So long as the right things get done from this point forward going on. Now, from the shipyards, the worst things you could say to me is you're not walking to done work. I went crazy when people told me that. <laughs> let's let's come we should do now. And in that vein, the city could do a lot. Um, talking about businesses, and that's a worthy, you know, protecting loss is a worthy thing, but let's concentrate on something slightly more important, let's concentrate on lives, and we can do a lot to do that. We can end evictions and foreclosure, calling for a moratorium. We can requisition the now empty hotel room beds for isolation. We can activate the uh, citizens' emergency response teams. And get some training to them so that they can handle the emergency. Those are willing to volunteer without contracting the disease themselves. Uh, the city can have a moratorium and interest and, and, and refuse to show utilities for people who can't pay their utility bills uh, because of the, uh, the crisis. Water, electricity, gas, phone, internet, and uh, And uh, we can requisition trailers at the house of homeless. Um, and so, thank you. Thank you, Mr. Thomas. Are there any other public comments? Yeah, Mark. Matt McDonald, Chief Judge of the Emergency. And I'm sorry. Um, I want to thank you for doing those wonderful things that you're doing for EMS. Because GMC has just put out notice that they're not making any more gas powers or trucks. They're going to be doing electric stuff. And so we're going to have a flood of things in the And uh, Ford is postponing their development of the empathy, which I'm really eagerly waiting for. And I'm going to be selling it just like a gas truck that I'm really a truck person. Um, so I think that you're proactive stuff. And I really appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Any other uh, public comments? In that case, we will um, recess uh, into the Area Development Commission. Call to order and uh, roll call, Mr. Pearson. Commissioner Brosson. Here. Commissioner Herman. Here. Commissioner West. Here. Here. Chair Jones. Here. Okay, calendar items on the consent calendar are considered routine and will be adopted by a motion unless a member of the commission requests to have an item considered separately or a member of the community item removed by contacting the city manager by 5 p.m. today. And have you had any requests? No requests. Question council. In that case, we have a motion to approve item 3A and 3B. 
I so move. Second. All in favor? Aye. Opposed? All right. And uh, new business and miscellaneous business for the ADC. Any public for the ADC? Is he? Is he? Okay, in that case, we'll uh, recess, uh, adjourn. adjourn the commission, and now the city council will uh, resume in order to adjourn into a session. And we'll, and because of the coronavirus, normally we go into the small room here. Uh, so we are going to hold our executive session in here. So all those who don't participate in executive session, it's now time, if you wish, to have your last legal press conference. And uh, that will cease the, uh, the video uh, streaming. Everyone, hope you enjoy the last one. Oh, yeah, no worries.